Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Good morning. So yeah, if, you, if you're new here or if you've been out and about on the town and haven't been with us the past few weeks, uh, here at TCC we are in a sermon series called Embrace Our Name. We've been looking at our name, Tulare Community Church, and we've been thinking about the intention behind the name and challenging ourselves to live into our name. And so uh, we started off with church, church, why church, what's a church, and we said that uh, the church that Jesus builds starts with and is defined by profession. We are a congregation of people who are professing Christ as Lord. Principally, foundationally, fundamentally, what the church offers to the world is truth, the truth that sets men free. And when we accept the truth of the gospel, then it leads us and transforms us and points us towards ministry and spiritual growth. And so then we looked at community, that we are a community church. We are a church within a community. And the truth of the gospel propels us and compels us to minister to our community. So Pastor Steve talked about that, our, our outreaches, our ministries, right? being intentional about that, planting grace. And then last week, Ty spoke to us about our church community, that we are also a community of believers, and that we minister to one another, and that the church needs to be about the business of growing spiritually, encouraging one another, sustaining one another, and deepening and enriching our relationship with Jesus. And so now, we're on our last word, Tulare, Tulare. It might be puzzling to you why we went through our name backwards, but I think it's kind of fitting because really we're going from the broader to the narrower. We're going from the more universal, things that are true of all kinds of churches, to the local. Okay, We're taking these concepts and we are applying them directionally. It's a manifestation of Christianity being applied in a specific place, in a specific time. And so we're going to look at that this morning, but as is our custom, uh, we want to start off everything we do in connection to God and His Spirit and His will. So before we go any further, let's bow before Him in prayer. So Heavenly Father, um, we enter into this house, gathering together to profess who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, thank you for all these people that you have called to be your children. I pray that your spirit would stir in our hearts and that we would grow in our love for one another and for the people of this region. In your name I pray, amen. Tulare. Tulare. You know, I, I think the first thing uh, that I want you to capture about our name is that our name is a testament to the power and effectiveness and faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. We are a congregation in Tulare, California. We are a living embodiment of the Great Commission being actively fulfilled. 
You know, Jesus tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Boy, he wasn't kidding. We're proof of that. We are mostly a bunch of Gentiles gathering together, professing Christ in a region of the world that the disciples didn't even know existed. But we know about them, don't we? Because they were witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and God was faithful. He raised up obedient people who went out, proclaimed the gospel, baptized, and made disciples from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, even to Tulare, to a region of the world that many people still don't know exists and fewer people know how to pronounce. (laughs) We are a small part of the Great Commission and a living testament to the power and faithfulness of God. Now, I say small, and that might rub some of you the wrong way. You might already have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder about our smallness. You know, so much of our country already sees our nation as L.A., New York, and everything else, right? We might already feel a little bit slighted, a little overlooked and marginalized because of our size, but we are small. I mean, personally, this is the smallest place that I've ever lived. I live in Visalia. It's population 133K. But I grew up in Japan. I primarily lived in Sendai, and that's a pretty small city for Japan standards, but Sendai has a little over a million people. So it's bigger than Fresno. (laughs) It's bigger than Sacramento. And in high school, I was in Tokyo. And to give you a sense of that, the, the Tokyo metro area is about the size of Los Angeles County. It's really close. And so I was looking through the numbers, and I found some that match up pretty well. Uh, in 2014, in the Tokyo metro area, there was 38 million people. Also in 2014, in the entire state of California, there was 38 million people. So if you want to take everybody that lives in California, move them to L.A. County you get a good sense of Tokyo. It's pretty big. But, well, we're not big like that. Um, But, you know, population is only one way of measuring a city. You know, we're not big, not densely populated, but we're important. We got the World Ag Expo. You know, this region of the world, it feeds the nation. And I tell this to people, and they go, Not really. Um, Maybe I'm hanging out with the wrong people. But I I say this, and I have yet to meet anyone who's really impressed. And the one time that I saw Tulare get national attention, it was about our janky Christmas tree. So yeah, Tulare's small kind of overlooked. 
And most people are not going to think that it's very important. And so when you hear Tulare Community Church, maybe your impulse is to say, well, yeah, yeah, Tulare, but we're so much more than that. So, Larry, that's a bit of a misnomer. You know, our influence is far-reaching. You know, we, we support missionaries and ministries all across the globe. And we plant churches. We help plant churches in other counties and other states and other countries even. And we are giants in our denomination. They know about us. They respect us. They hear about us in places like Michigan and Iowa and... <laughs> other places. (laughs) And that's true. And don't we want that? Uh, Don't we want our impact on the kingdom to be massive, to be global and far-reaching and influential and important? Don't we want that? To Larry Community Church, isn't that just small-minded Isn't that just small-minded ministry? Well, no, it's not. We are Tulare Community Church because Tulare needs the church, and it needs community. And when we say Tulare Community Church, we are actually saying something really important about the character and nature of God. That the God of the universe, as majestic and glorious as he is, that God Almighty cares locally. And even more mind-boggling than that, that he cares about us individually. He's the God that leaves the 99 to go after the one. He's the God who has a heart and love for the small and the overlooked and the marginalized and the outcast. He tells us that over and over again in his word. Uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 16, beginning in verse 4. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut. Nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood, and as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. And then it says in verse 9, I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put sandals of fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine leather and and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. And I put a ring on your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were of fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth. Your food was honey, olive oil, and the finest flour. You became very beautiful and rose to be a queen. And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty because of the splendor I had given you made your beauty perfect, declares the sovereign Lord. It's a striking image. God's people... He describes as discarded babies. 
unwanted, uncared for, unloved, but that he cares for and raises up. And he says this in Luke, Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And he says this in Matthew, famous passage here, Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Sort of reminiscent of Ezekiel, isn't it? God loves that motif. The small the overlooked, the least, the marginalized. Even in regards to cities and towns, he says this in Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Prephethah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. God chooses Bethlehem. And he chooses Nazareth. Remember what Nathaniel, the disciple, said when he was being introduced to Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Come and see. To Larry and the areas around it that we're from, they're small. And the world is probably never going to regard it as important if it regards it at all. But it is important to God. It matters to him. And telling somebody that God loves them and cares about them isn't going to quite resonate as well if it's coming from someone that doesn't even know how to pronounce the town that they're living in. We're the best equipped for that message. We're the best equipped for this ministry. Because we live here. We're from here. We know this place and we love this place. You know, who wants to live in a big city anyway? You know, I think my happiness is, is really in relation to how much parking is available. I think that's true. <laughs> but we are along with our other brothers and sisters and other churches in the area, we are the best hope for this region. Do you realize that? We are the best hope for this region because we are the ambassadors of Christ that God has raised up for this place at this time. And we can do other things. 
We can advance the kingdom beyond our borders. We can make an impact throughout our denomination and throughout the world even. But if we're not having an impact on Tulare, then we are failing our mandate. We're Tulare. That's our mandate. We are ministering locally here in this area because we are the best hope for the region. And that's not small-minded. Now, we might have a desire to want to do everything. But ministry has limitations. Even Jesus in his earthly ministry, he was confined to just Israel. Right? He says this, Matthew chapter 15, verse 25. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the disciples, sometimes they had plans for ministry, desires for ministry, and the Holy Spirit tells them no. We see this in places like Acts. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Big plans, big ministry, important, looks good on paper. And the Holy Spirit tells them, no, that's not your ministry. Now, let's not use that as an excuse not to expand or to think big. Let's not say no to something that God is saying yes to just because we're timid or afraid. No, let's, let's be bold. Let's be open to whatever ministry God has for us. But my point is this. Acknowledging limitation is not thinking small. It's thinking big about God. You know, I've seen uh, several mega church pastors over the years drift and wander and bend to universalism. And it's a theology that everyone is saved. And that's really not the Christian doctrine. And what's interesting is they never start out that way. I think what can happen is their their ministry starts small and then it takes off and thousands of people become saved and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people start listening to them and their influence grows and their reach expands and they start to feel good and go, yes, my ministry is working, it's working. We can reach the whole world. We can transform everybody into believers. And they can't. And so I think sometimes rather than face that limitation, they just start to bend and tweak the theology a little bit. And then they've done it. They've saved everyone. Acknowledging our limitations is an act of humility and of faith in God. The local church can't do everything, so we trust in God that he's still working through the church universal. That's not thinking small. That's thinking bigger about God. And for some of you, um, ministering in Tulare and the surrounding areas, that might be very exciting for you. But for some of you, maybe it's not. Uh, Maybe you want bigger things. 
maybe you're just kind of here because work brought you here. Or maybe you kind of just grew up here and frankly you can't wait to get out. Well, maybe uh, God is calling you to other ministry. But I want us to take a look at this. Uh, John chapter 4 verse 35. It says this. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the ones who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And then it says this in Matthew. Chapter 13, verse 17. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it. And to hear what you hear but did not hear it. If you're signing up for ministry, uh, would you rather reap what you didn't sow? Would you rather harvest what somebody else labored at? Would you rather sow and work and never see a harvest? I think the answer is pretty obvious. The limitations that God places on us might be frustrating things. The work that he has called us to may not be what we prefer. You know, in our our TCC Equip class, we've been going through our, our spiritual gifts that can be a really useful thing to identify where you're gifted and then to start thinking about, okay, how can I apply this to ministry? But you know, in my own life, I feel like there are ways in which I've been gifted by God, but that I really haven't been able to use. And that I can harvest like nobody's business. And God says, no, I want you sowing. You know, I I can preach the gospel in Bithany. I could. I'm good at it. I can do it. I can be successful there. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you in Macedonia. That can be frustrating. That can be hard. But it is God who has made us. It's God who has gifted us, and he placed us here and now. And so our orientation needs to be, I serve at the pleasure of the king. He'll use you as he wants you. You won't go to waste if you're willing. And it says that the sower and the reaper are glad together. That's ultimately how this is going to wind up. We're not thinking in small terms about ministry. We're thinking in big terms about God. We may long for the day when we see how God has orchestrated all this and what our part is in it. And I was uh, talking with uh, Lonnie and Sean about where I was thinking of going with this message, and they were like, oh, yeah, like Esther. I wasn't even really thinking about Esther, but it's pretty perfect, isn't it, right? That Esther is this person who was raised up for a time to save her people from slaughter. And it says this in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I like that. Who knows? Who knows why God has placed you here and now? 
Out of the billions of people in the world, and the many more who have come before through the thousands and thousands of years of human history, what are the odds that we find ourselves occupying the same space and time as one another? Maybe it's not just happenstance. Maybe it's for a reason. I'm not thinking that you're going to save us all from slaughter or anything necessarily, but I do think that the people that God has placed here that are seated in this room with you in this moment of human history are for your good and the good of Tulare. And that's an encouraging thought that I'm here and you're here in this moment in time because someone here in this time needs your love. Because someone here in this time needs your comfort. Because someone here in this time needs your encouragement. Because someone here in this time needs your friendship. Because someone here in this time needs your mercy. Because someone here in this time needs your patience. Because someone here in this time needs your wisdom or your counsel. Because someone here in this time needs your rebuke or your correction because someone here in this time needs your generosity or hospitality, because someone here in this time needs your story of how Jesus transformed your life, because someone here in this time needs you, locally, specifically. You know, Pastor Steve uh, often raises the question, if Tulare Community Church suddenly vanished, would people notice? Would our city notice? Would our county notice? Would they care? And I think that's a good question. And I would also apply it individually, too. If you were to depart from this body of believers, would anyone notice? If the answer is no, then I think you're missing your mandate. If the answer is no, then I think we're missing our mandate. We are Tulare Community Church. We are here in this place for these people at this time in human history. Let's embrace our name. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.